Hello, welcome to the Creative Writing Life Podcast. I'm Justin Sloan. And I'm Paul Zeidman. And Justin, I'll let you have the honor of introducing this week's guest. All right. We have a special guest named Philip Bailly with us today. Hello, Philip. How's it going? Hello, Justin. Hi, Paul. Nice to nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And well, so it says Philip on here. I didn't ask, do you go by Phil usually or Philip? Uh, I do usually go by Phil. Yeah. There's, okay, cool. there's very few people that, that call me by my full name. <laughs> All right. Phil, welcome to the podcast. And what we always do, like I mentioned beforehand, is we always start off with kind of what we've been watching, listening, reading, all that stuff, whatever you have a recommendation for. Um, so feel free to think about it while Paul and I jump in. Uh, do you have anything to get us rolling with, Paul? Okay. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, actually, it's a, uh, I guess you could call it a Humphrey Bogart double feature. Uh, one uh, was a movie I saw on HBO Max called Chain Lightning, where he's a test pilot right after the war. And there's not really anything remarkable about that one. And the other one is called The Enforcer, which I think is from the early 50s. And he's a DA and a key witness in their case is killed. And now then they go back and then at the rest of it is a, <clears throat> excuse me, the rest of it is a flashback about how they got up to this point and how they can potentially proceed with the case. And actually, it's pretty good as a, as a nice thriller and mystery element to it. So, yeah, if you can't go wrong with Bogey, that's what I say. Sweet. I'm going to throw out a game today called uh, Trek to Yomi which I thought was amazing. I loved it. Um, the negative reviews around it are just around the fight, you know, how the fighting works. Uh, and I'm like, whatever, dude, it's a fun game. It has a lot of cool story moments. And like, it's one of those games where when you're playing, it kind of feels like the story's weaved throughout in a nice way that doesn't feel very halting. Uh, so I say Trek to Yomi is a great one. It has like this black and white kind of filtered effect, like a an old Kurosawa film or something. Uh, and it's not perfect, but I enjoyed the hell out of it for the five hours or so it takes to play. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Phil? You got anything good for us? Yeah, that's great. I, I I'm excited that you mentioned Trek to Yomi. It's actually been on my list for a while and uh, just, I have it on game pass. I just need to make the time to play through it. Oh yeah. And it's on um, game pass. So if you have that, you can play it without having to spend any extra money. So that's always a nice. Yeah, it looks great. I do love the the sort of uh, Kurosawa mm -hmm. um, inspirations for it. Um, I guess I, I I mentioned, you know, uh, if it, if I was going to say I'll do multiple media, uh, if I was going to say a game, um, I think the one that I finished kind of going through completely was Neon White, which is sort of like a it's from Annapurna Publishers, um, sort of like um, visual, it's got visual novel elements, but it's also sort of got like shooter elements and platforming elements and speedrunning elements. And it was just kind of unlike anything I'd, I'd played. And um, I didn't think I would, I would latch onto it like I did, but, but uh, they do a lot of really cool things with it. And, and one of the things I really like is like using narrative as a reward um, for players for, you know, it's there for players to interact with or, or not. Um, so yeah, I went all the way through it. I really loved it. I, I even, you know, was watching a lot of like speed runners, uh, you know, for, go for like the world record attempts and stuff. So great, fun little game. Um, and in movies, my wife and I do a Lord of the Rings sort of rewatch every year. It, there's not like a, like a, it's just kind of like whenever we, we feel it calling to us. So sometimes it's early in the year, sometimes it's around the holidays or before. So we're right in the middle of that. Um, actually just starting the extended edition of Return of the Kings tonight. So we'll finish that up. And Rings of Power has, has kind of got me just in like this Tolkien kind of yeah. mood. So I have actually picked up the Silmarillion for maybe, maybe the second or third time. And I'm like determined to go through it all. <laughs> 
and uh, and I have some help actually. Uh, my plan is to like go through it. I'm reading chapter by chapter, and then listening to the Prancing Pony podcast. Uh, oh, nice. uh, and it's it's a journey, and my my plan is to hopefully go through the Silmarillion, and then go through the Hobbit and the three books, um, and just kind of listen along with the podcast. So it's it'll be kind of an extended journey. That's awesome. So my wife says she might have or she doesn't know if she's ever watched the lord of the ring movies so <laughs> we're gonna definitely watch those in the near future um i think we're waiting for season one of the ring of power to finish and then i'm gonna make oh, yeah. gonna watch all three of those extended editions of course um, oh i know well actually i wanted to, i actually feel i wanted to ask you what do you think of rings of power yeah you know i i i personally have stayed away from like you know reviews i think it's it's kind of been mixed uh i personally love it um there, there's a lot about it that I really love, you know, from the Bear McCreary score to a lot of little moments, um, uh, narrative moments um, that, that I'd like to really highlight without giving any spoilers. But, but um, you know, there, there are some places where I think uh, I, I kind of just want more, like I, I want to care for certain characters or certain relationships more. And I think um, that a little more work or care could have been put into some of these plot lines. But Overall, I'm just I'm just such a fan. Like I'm I'm enjoying it, and I, I haven't let any sort of the the negative buzz around it affect that at all or in any way. Hell yeah, I'm yeah, there with I you. Can, I can go with that one too. <laughs> I'm actually sorry, a little more. So I'm the I'm the most gung ho probably uh, of the three of us. I'm I'm yeah. in it all the way. I'm like, give it to me. I want more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really kind of straddling it. the middle because I, I'm enjoying it, but also it's kind of like, you know, it's okay. But I also, I think the thing is because I'm so used to the original Lord of the Rings movies. So I know all the characters and the names pretty well. And uh, I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, Justin, that I watched the Hobbit movies uh, in, in sequence yeah. and they were good, but I don't think they needed to make three, what, three hour movies yeah, out of right. one book. And so there was just so much padding. And this one, I couldn't tell you maybe maybe i could identify one character by name i just know okay that's that elf and that's the uh the mm-hmm. the, the irish <laughs> irish elf family it's on the journey and this is and that's okay that's galadriel okay that's the one i can identify and that's uh, yeah. about it but yeah for the most part I'm, I'm enjoying it but it's also uh for me it's just like whenever i get around to watching it it's like okay i can watch it now and it's not like i have to watch it to, as soon as it's available uh, or, yeah yeah we we do try to save it for for Saturdays. I know it, it airs for, it comes out Fridays or sometimes even like late Thursdays, but we'll save it for Saturday and then, and then house of the dragon for Sunday. And nice. we have a full fantasy weekend. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Speaking of full fantasy weekends. Uh, yeah. So the reason that uh, Phil is here is he and I are going to, he and I are going to be on a panel at the Austin film festival. I think that's the 27th, 29th, uh, 29th, Saturday, the 29th. So we'll be there a few days probably before and after that. And our panel is called Interactive Storytelling, The New Frontier. So I thought it'd be fun to bring Phil on and chat with him. And it looks like he's done some cool stuff, including teaching, or writer's assistance on shows, uh, now game writing. And um, yeah, Phil, I'll let you do your, your own introduction. So who are you, Phil? Yeah, uh, so I, I am, I, I mean, probably for the first time in my life, you know, getting paid to write, which is exciting. And, and I'm doing that now on a on a indie project with Orion Games, a, a small indie studio that that uh, has been in production for over two years on our first project. I was brought on um, to rework the narrative and and uh, kind of work to, to create more 
cohesive narrative design uh, in general. Uh, and a lot of that has been, um, you know, pitching new ideas and, and or re retooling or reworking existing ideas or adding narrative context to mechanics and systems that have existed in the project from the beginning. So it's, it's a lot of fun and it's um, getting to exercise a lot of these uh, these sort of uh, newish um, creative muscles that, that I've kind of picked up in the interactive writing space. Um, but before then, you know, way, way before then, I, I had sort of a, a background in journalism, worked as a, as a crimes beat, or sorry, a courts beat reporter uh, for the local paper here in Laredo, Texas, which is where I'm, I'm currently located again. I went to Austin, UT for an MFA in screenwriting um, directly after I interned for Noah Hawley during, during my time, um, I think about my second year uh, of that program. And that, that is what led me ultimately to, to make the big move to LA and, and take the writer's assistant position on Fargo. And, and it was just great. I mean, I, I try to make the, the best of it and make these connections with writers and two of the co-EPs in that room started their own room and they brought me on uh, now for two, two different projects. So, you know, we're, it's been a great experience and hoping that one of these, uh, especially this most recent one that I was just on um, for Apple TV, hopefully it, it gets greenlit and, and will get made. Um, but but um, right now I'm just kind of focusing fully on the game writing um, job for Orion. And um, hopefully, if this thing gets greenlit, uh, we'll somehow be involved in that, whether it be in a script coordinator position or something like that. But but yeah, it's a it's a it's a got sort of a it, it feels like I've got even though I don't live in LA, I still have like a one foot in that sort of TV and film um, industry, and and one now firmly set in in writing for video games. Nice. And uh, I think there's a lot there that we can unpack, but I'll start off first by talking about Austin Film Festival and then let Paul jump in and then come back around maybe. So Austin, how did you get involved in the festival? Uh, I imagine you were attendee first and then started speaking or did it not work out that way? Uh, I'd love to yeah. hear that story. Uh, the, the first time I attended was um, was when I was, it was my first year in grad school. They they get all the MFA students passes. You know, if you're going to use them, they'll, they'll get them for you. So uh, it's, it was great. And that first year I went, I actually attended the, the talk that I'm going to be now a panelist for. It, it had the same title. It was like New Frontiers of Storytelling, Ryan Kaufman, um, formerly oh, nice. Telltale, now, now at Jam City, yeah, uh, was, was, was on the, oh, really? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Because yeah. you're at Telltale, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I went to the talk, uh, got to ask some questions and then, and then kind of, go with or just uh hang with some people from telltale at a bar sometime later that that evening and ryan included and just just really like i was just barely dipping my foot into like the idea of writing for fiction interactive fiction and games at the time and i was taking a an elective um from offered by susan o'connor who is veteran game writer, studio consultant, and now the founder of the narrative department and uh, sort of game writing masterclass. So um, I attended the panel, attended the conference, um, both years of my graduate program. 
and and then hadn't attended after that because it had been in LA and then and then moved back to Texas and just kind of getting my bearings again with teaching. Um, so this is uh, I, I have a close friend who was a conference kind of coordinator and worked closely with AFF for years. And uh, he, you know, has the same interests of like, you know, wanting to get into games, uh, writing for games. And, and I think at some point he just like gave my name as, as well as a couple, a couple other kind of up, up and coming game writers or narrative designers to, to someone at the conference um, before maybe leaving. So I was actually very surprised when, when I got the email for the invite and I uh, felt excited, honored, um, uh, and it was just really unexpected. So I, I was very grateful to him um, and also just grateful to be in a, in a position where I could actually like get up there and have something to say uh, about this uh, on this panel. Uh, so what year would have that been that uh, you went there and saw Ryan was it like 2017 or something, maybe? I think, it, yeah, it, it was uh, 20. Yeah. That the year of, 2016 17 so yeah it was my oh, first year mm-hmm. nice cool yes yeah, so i was my last time i was there i think i was there in 2015 on a panel uh and that was like their first testing out the idea of game writing it was awesome because it was with uh somebody wrote on shadow of mordor which is one of my favorite games and then um mm-hmm. gary Witta, who wrote on star wars and was at telltale for a little bit as well actually and yeah. uh yeah fun 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 place to be so for anybody who's out there still last minute thinking about going to austin uh do you have any words of wisdom for them or how to get the best out of the conference yeah it's it's definitely good to have a plan i mean it's uh like like any conference uh there's just so much to do and so much of it is overlapping and 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 then you find you you could have a plan and then uh you know i went to gdc this this year and you have all these plans and i'm like i'm gonna go to this panel and this panel uh and then it's like i'm coming out of one of the panels and then i run into like sort of a flock of people that are going to like a a a meetup on the on the lawn that is just like unannounced or unscheduled anywhere and it's for writers like game writers and so it's like okay well now i'm gonna do that so i I think definitely have a plan but also be open to to just going with the flow at times um but highly recommend if if anyone has a chance to go to go because uh obviously the the film selection is great the the speakers the networking opportunities it's it's all it's all golden yeah, 100%. Was that GDC? Is that what you just said? Or something else? I did, yeah. Okay, Game Developers Conference for people who don't know. It's a great yeah, place correct. to meet other writers, especially game writers. <laughs> uh, Paul, did you want to hop on? Uh, sure. No, so uh, Phil, you were saying that one of your earlier stints, you were a writer's assistant? Yes, that's correct. Now, was that, uh, was that for a television program, I'm guessing? Yes. Uh, the, the very first um, time I did it was for Fargo season four. Okay, so how so? What was the process for you uh, getting the job, and what were some of your duties involved? And and, and was there any uh, development? Were you able to start uh, like contributing scripts, or did were they you invited to write a script? Yeah. Um, so really, you know, it, that that question of like, how do I become a writer's assistant is like a really tough one to answer. But you know, luckily now there there are more like. Um, training programs in place, like one one great one from the writers. Uh, Guild Foundation um, that that is, that is all about support staff training. Um, but but my in was that internship that I did with Noah, and in that 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 sort of sort of like a jack of all trades in that position. It was like uh, I did some reading for him. I did a lot of like sort of errands and and just running around for him in Austin. 
Uh, got to see a lot of like uh, you know rough clips uh, of his of his film Lucy in the Sky, and and provide some some thoughts and notes. So it kind of just ran the gamut, and and I think you know because I did uh, good work for him, uh, he recognized that and and offered me that position. Um, and and it's funny at the time it was, this was this was I think towards the end of 2018, and my wife and I had just signed a lease on a. Um, you know, we just signed a lease and, and we were just having our, our first daughter and and we were making plans of like setting down roots in Austin and um, September we signed that lease and at the end of the month I got the job offer. So <laughs> so it was like uh, we had to make uh, some, you know, pretty important decisions and and then the move to L.A. and then the birth of our daughter was two major life changes um, that happened like really closely together. So it was a bit of an adjustment, but, but we settled, you know, we found a, a place close to the, the Paramount lot. Um, well, we settled in Thai town Paramount lot is really close, which is where the, the Fargo room was. And, um, and then my position was a writer's assistant and writer's uh, PA. So, so I had uh, the, the job task of like setting up the room, you know, taking care of crafty, ordering lunch every day and and on top of the writer's assistant um, responsibilities, which is taking notes, um, doing some research, writing up some supplemental docs uh, whenever whenever that was required. Um, because Fargo's um, anthology, uh, you know, I think there, there are there are a lot of opportunities for writers assistants on, on shows with multiple seasons where sometimes they are given a script or, you know, if they brought in a second season, they'll be promoted to a staff writer. But, um, but so there was no, unfortunately no um, opportunity to write a script, but I, I got to read all of them and, and offer notes, not just during the script writing phase, but, but, you know, when the writers were in the room breaking story, uh, they were really receptive to, to hearing me out and, and hearing pitches that I had, which was, you know, really, really it's a cool feeling for someone uh, in that position. That's great. That's really good. So uh, what would it be your, I mean, you kind of touched on this briefly. What's your advice for someone who is looking to break in that way? It's like to try to go the, uh, the writer's assistant or the PA route. Yeah, my, my, I mean, you know, putting putting yourself out there is is like an, an easy thing to say, and, and that's not always an easy thing to do. Um, but but finding finding yourself in in the right position, uh, you know, unfortunately, can can that is the thing that can often lead to to doors opening. But but like I said, luckily now, like the, when I'm asked this question now, what I do, well, my my main go to is to direct people to the Writers Guild Foundations. Um, support staff training program. I believe they've only had like two cohorts. They, they had their kind of uh, inaugural cohort a year ago. And, and this year I was asked by the WGF to be a, a on their, um, their panel to, to the review applications, uh, which was really cool. So I got to go through that whole process and, and go through, I don't know how many applications that was and we narrowed it down to I think the, the top 16 who are selected uh, so that was a great process but but these these people that go through the cohort are are then you know taught the jobs of like writers assistants and script coordinators which are really hard jobs and and often like like myself like a lot of people get into these positions and then have to learn on the job and it's sort of a baptism by fire and they see that they're a lot more demanding 
um, than they than they might uh, have thought, or, or really just had like no inclination of what the what the job actually entailed. So so it's great that more and more of these programs are being um, in, in like set up because I think it is necessary for, for people to to go in and, and have the correct expectations. Um, and the people that go through these cohorts are then put on, on sort of lists of like trained writers assistants or trained script coordinators that are, I, I believe, distroed to, to industry folks looking to fill those positions in rooms. Okay. Yeah, that that's some good stuff because I think a lot of people figure like, oh, it'll it'll be a, a you know, it's a, it's a very low job on the totem pole, so it's going to be a relatively easy gig, and then they get it and they discover it's anything but. It yeah, it's like I mean, writers writers assistant especially. I've done script coordinating once, but but writers assistant, it's like a room just can't function without a a, a really good writers assistant. I mean, you you become everything. You you're not. It's not just like you taking notes but like people are coming to you for for you know so many ideas are being thrown out and and you have to like keep them all not only all of them but but the ones that are like that we're landing on and which path we're going and and uh you know you have to get everything down um and there's just so much to the job that that uh is just at the heart of the room it's it's very integral and, and i think without one it's i don't think a, a room could even function so, uh, so uh, I may have missed because you you gave so much information earlier. So, okay, so you were in LA. So, how did you end up back in Texas? Sorry, you say how how did I end up? Yeah, so you so you were living in Los Angeles, and you know, you got your wife and a new baby, and you're working on the show. Uh, so, how, what so uh, what prompted you to I guess get out of LA? Yeah. Um, so at the time, we it was uh, it was right. I mean, we moved back in June of 2020, so just shortly after lockdowns. Mm. Um, uh, really, I mean, our main our main motivator was was just uh, being being far from family and 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 wanting to raise our daughter uh, in Laredo, the the city that we grew up, where you know all four of her grandparents are, and she has several cousins, and all her aunts and uncles are are close by in, in, you know, sort of nearby cities or, or nearby by Texas standards. <laughs> um, you know, so, so yeah, it was just, it was, a, it was a really at the heart of it was just like a deep desire for our daughter to, to grow up around family. Okay. And it was, you know, it was my, my, my parents first grandchild. So, so it was also hard to be like, here's your first grandchild. And then, okay, bye. We're going to LA now. <laughs> so so, you know, I think that that sort of weighed on both of us the entire mm -hmm. time we were in L.A. and and more on my wife, because, you know, I, I was, you know, in in a writer's room talking about, you know, one of my favorite shows of all time, you know, day to day. So it didn't weigh on me so much. But but, um, you know, I think uh, we talked about it and and it just felt like the right decision. And, mm -hmm. and I think. I think even without COVID and without the lockdowns, it was just a decision we were on our way to make anyway. So, so that stuff just kind of uh, expedited. Sure. Process. Sure. And I would imagine, and I know we've talked about this on the show before is that uh, one of the benefits of, I guess, you know, living in, in the age that we do now that you you live where you live, but you can still do your writing and that you can interact very easily with somebody 
very far away. You can do a Zoom call or even just a, a regular phone call. And that it does, it's not, it doesn't make a huge difference that you're not in Los Angeles anymore. Yeah, I I am so thankful for that. I mean, if, if COVID has given us anything, you know, this awful, awful experience, it, it is, you know, I am grateful for for just that opportunity of like, I, you know, maybe it had the pandemic never happened. I don't know if I ever moved back to Texas, if I'd have an opportunity to work in a virtual writer's room. Mm-hmm. And now I've worked in two and, and both experiences were, I mean, it felt almost, you know, there, there's times where writers are like, yes, we missed the room. We missed the whiteboards. And, um, but you know, we managed and we managed to break two really, really great shows you know, virtually and, and, you know, one of the showrunners, one of the co-showrunners, you know, was, is now based in, in Utah and while the other one's still in LA. So I, I, I love the idea of <laughs> virtual rooms. I know not everyone does, but, but of course I love that for selfish reasons. Sure. Sure. <laughs> that's some good stuff. That, uh, yeah, that, I think that's, that, that's just another perfect example of that. You really can't, no, oh, excuse me. <clears throat> you can be anywhere and just be able to write. And as long as you're able to interact with uh, the people you're working with, you're all set. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, my remote work is also what makes uh, my current job kind of function. We have a, our small independent studio is fully remote and we have people working in all different time zones. We have programmer in Turkey and, and uh, our composers from Poland and our art directors in, in the Netherlands. And we have another, uh, another artist and animator in Israel. And, and we all hop on a daily call um, just to kind of touch base. What's everyone working on? Okay. Good night for you. <laughs> for me, the day is starting. So yeah. And it, and it works. It's kind of like a well-oiled machine at this point. That's great. That, that is really good to hear. And that's, uh, that's great because uh, you know, it's important that you're, because if you were not uh, were somewhere where you were comfortable being, then it would probably have an impact on your work. But you know, you get to spend time with your family and your extended family, and you still get to do the work you love. So that's great. Exactly. Yeah, I've, I'm very fortunate for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll jump back in with. Uh, so we're not going to have too much time today to talk about interactive and games and all that. Uh, we want to. Uh, wet the tongue or what's the word there <laughs> for yeah. the film festival get you all excited for that but uh but let's briefly talk about the game that you're working on now as much as you're allowed to say and mm-hmm. what has that process been like how different has that been from working in tv or other media yeah uh you know writing is can be you know especially if you don't have writing partners something like that you know it, it can be a very uh inherently isolating process um and it's hard sometimes to stay motivated. Um, one of the, you know, I've always loved the idea of writers' rooms and, and writing for games just because of the inherent collaboration that is involved. And and the, the collaboration in, in a writer's room versus like writing for in a studio for, for a game studio is differs also. It's it's not the same. It's like I, I'm writing something, but I'm never writing in a vacuum, right? I'm thinking about okay, well, I need to be thinking about what, what sort of assets, you know, of like this, this level or, or this dialogue that I'm writing right now, or this narrative experience that I want to deliver in this level, what assets are we going to need and what animations and, and what sound effects and what music are we going to need? And, mm-hmm. and, and then I'm, I'm, I'm constantly having to think about everyone's discipline and not just the writing, which, which is challenging, but, but also like, like a really 
fun challenge. And the, you know, the position I find myself in coming in on this project, um, you know, I, I'd say unfortunately is, is not, is, or is one that, that a lot of people writing for games might find themselves in, which is like a studio will, will bring in a writer or, or someone to kind of fix up the narrative, you know, pretty deep into production. Um, you know, th there, are, there are plenty of studios that, that, you know, everything kind of starts from the beginning together, but, but this is just, just like the, what a lot of game writers are, are handed. That's just kind of the, the cards that you're, or the hand that you're dealt. So, you know, it's difficult, but it's kind of like a, it's like a really interesting puzzle because you're put in this very, very specific sandbox to play in. And it's like, here are the mechanics, here are the systems that exist. Um, you know, there might be some leeway as to like what new systems can be developed this deep into developed and implemented this far into production. Others, you just have to like find ways to make them work. And it's like those really specific constraints, I feel like when a lot of the really creative stuff can come out um, because you're trying to make something work and you're banging your head against it. And then you sit down in a meeting with like the level designer or programmers and, and then something clicks and that just that, you know, even if you've already written a lot of stuff for a level or certain um, interactions with NPCs, this new sort of direction or this new kind of light bulb that goes off in a conversation with someone in another discipline just will completely change that. And yeah, it's just, I think it's a, it's really fun. Uh, and that's sort of been my, my experience on this project. It's like, uh, I came in, I, I did my first few months of the project were just like really getting to know the project as much as I could, the systems, the mechanics, the narrative, the existing dialogues. And then I started, you know, developing pitches and I would create these slideshows to pitch to the studio founder or the, or the whole team to like pitch my new idea of like why this can be changed or why this should be added or what, you know, and it was like a lot of like writing lore and pitching new story elements and new narrative elements uh, just to, again, work to that overall goal of, of achieving more cohesive narrative design. Awesome. Yeah. And I would say that iteration was uh, Definitely, I've never experienced the level of iteration anywhere else than I did uh, working in games, especially Telltale, like where sometimes yeah. whole things would just be thrown out, whole episodes. And you're just like, here we go again. <laughs> yeah, it over. gets scrapped. Yeah, maybe yeah. you can you can save kernels of things, but but yeah, that that iteration process is is uh, like you said, it's it's unlike anything else. Yeah, you get a call one day, and you're like, you're working on this thing now. What? Why? I thought they were already done with it. Nope. Nope. <laughs> yeah, that scratch. character's cut. Yeah, yeah so. exactly. <laughs> uh, last one for me is going now that you've been in games and looking back at TV, what would you say are like some struggles game writers might face going into the TV world? Yeah, struggles game writers might be facing. going into Or advice TV. if you're like talking to somebody, oh, I'm a game writer, I want to work in TV. Uh, any mm. advice you have for them? Thoughts? Yeah, I think I think an inherent strength that, that game writers have uh, is, is being able to think outside the box. Um, and that's not, that's not to say that, you know, up and coming TV writers don't, but, but game, game, games as a medium force you to do that more than, more than any, I think writing for any other medium. So, mm -hmm. so I think it's like, bring, bring those ideas that, that's, you know, you think no one's gonna, no one's gonna even consider because 
and that you've been forced to consider because, because of your team's constraints or your project's constraints. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, just kind of trying to hone that idea or that skill as a game writer and then transferring it uh, over to TV would, would be, I think, something that's helpful. Awesome. Uh, Paul, any last questions here? No, I don't think so, because uh, as we've well established many times in the past, Justin's forte is really the game writing scene. I am a total outsider in that. So uh, it's just always fascinating to me to listen to uh, Justin talk with a guest who's got a lot of experience as well in game writing and just to hear about like how it's all put together and what this person's experience is. So I'm just going to sit and enjoy the two of you talking about it. But <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, once again, for the Austin Film Festival, I'm just going to say if anybody's listening to this, we're probably going to release it like right before the festival. So uh, it'll mm -hmm. be fresh in your brains. You'll come find uh, me for sure at the Driscoll or whatever bar it's happening at this year. I'll be happy to grab a beer. Phil, I don't know. I imagine you're approachable. You seem approachable. Uh, yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Cool. Yeah. So we'll be hanging out. Happy to talk about any of the stuff you heard now or other aspects of at all uh, and i think our panel is going to be exciting so phil any last yeah. words of wisdom or advice you want to throw out to the crowd no i uh i'm, I'm just uh i mean words of wisdom uh you know <laughs> if, you're, if you're feeling unmotivated uh or or like you're you know uh, oh man this i'm botching this but you know i just think it's it's so hard just as a writer for any medium to stay motivated you know mm -hmm. do what you have to do self-care take care of yourself take breaks uh find inspiration in, in other mediums I, I like that you all start with the what you're watching what are you kind of reading or, or doing anything because i i like in reading the Silmarillion. um I, I i was working on designing a quest for for um our one of our one of the quests in the game right now and i was just like having trouble pitching the idea or the flow the quest flow to the team and and just reading Tolkien and and, and reading the, the type of writing, the passages in the Silmarillion, I was like, you know what, let me write, let me write a one-page short story about like the context and the background of this quest. And I'll pitch it to the team in that way. I did that. I, I threw the story into our Slack and and that had nothing to do. I had so many other things that I should be writing at the time. And instead I just took the day to really just like bang out that that uh, the work data to bang out that short story felt good about it team was all on board and and yeah i think uh you know if you're having trouble if you're hitting hitting a wall you know i think sometimes the thing to do is like just take a step back and, and just do something else read write something totally different uh watch mm -hmm. a movie yeah you know, sure it's great that. advice i think mental stability <laughs> is paramount for us writers that's one reason i played trek to yomi is because uh it's a great one that you can just pick up for like five minute sprints and like play mm -hmm. or you can play for an hour it's up to you but uh to take a break in between things and just be like i'm just gonna veg out here for a second and enjoy my life yeah. and then ideas just start flowing and your sanity stays with you which is always a plus and for sure. yeah you need that <laughs> you need your sanity if you're, gonna, if you're gonna be a writer yep yep Cool. Well, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. And if anybody wants to reach out to you, what's best, Twitter or do you have some other website or something they should uh, check out? Yeah, I'm pretty active on Twitter. Um, you can follow me at, at Philip, just my last name and, and first name backwards or inverse. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interacting. I, I get some kind of cold DMs sometimes for or people just like who are interested in, in the game writing space. And, and I make myself totally available to people like that. So 
yeah, please just reach out. Awesome. There we go. And once again, uh, I'm Justin. This is the Creative Writing Life podcast. You can find my books on Amazon. And I'm Paul Zeidman. You can check out my screenwriting blog, MaximumZ.blog. I'm on Twitter at Maximum underscore Z. I'm also on Amazon now. And uh, as of tomorrow, I will have my third and probably final book on there for my Go Ahead and Ask series. Interviews about screenwriting and pie, volumes one, two, and three. Yay. <laughs> Very happy about that. As he said, he's Justin. He's Philip. I'm Paul. This has been the Creative Writing Life podcast. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, stay healthy, and most importantly, go write something.